Good morning. morning. How many of you came to hear Pastor Keith this morning? (laughs) Oops. I think, think if I'm not mistaken, Chris, he's in Texas, right? You could pray for him. Um, And speaking, I think, at a a convention or something like that. So I apologize if you came for Keith. Uh, So, but the reality is, He's, been, he's just been hammering it, has he not? Come on now, has he not? I mean, our pastor is just bringing it every week. He's doing a great job. Can I ask you a favor? Would you, would you every once in a while let him know what a great job he's doing? Okay? Um, I pastored for 36 years. I was told like three times in 36 years I was doing okay. Now, a lot of that probably is me, but every once in a while that's an encouraging word um, to, to kind of hear that. Um, so again, uh, let Keith know what a great job he's doing. I, you know, Keith and I have known each other for a long, long time. He is my pastor, um, and it's a great opportunity to, to grow in the Lord. He does such a terrific job with the scripture. I'm going to do my best this morning. It will not be like what Keith does. Okay. It'll be a little bit different. Part of that is, um, I feel like I've been praying about what I'm supposed to do this morning and how I'm supposed to continue on this little passage of Scripture that Keith's been preaching in Ephesians. And so I've been praying about it, and I got a text message Tuesday morning from Keith. It was about 11 o'clock. He said, any chance you're free for lunch today? I'm used to getting called in by the preacher or the pastor after I preach, not before I preach. And so I was a little concerned, and, you know, and it was like urgent. I, I need to, can we meet today? It's like, okay. So we, we get together for lunch. Turns out Keith was just being a great pastor because uh, my wife lost her dad last Sunday. Uh, actually, right in the middle of service, I was sitting here and I was getting emails uh, or text messages from my uh, brother-in-law that um, my father-in-law had passed away. And so Keith was just checking in on us and see how we were doing. So probably this week when he calls, he'll, he'll have viewed whatever took place and we'll talk about the sermon this morning. No, no, I know, I know. Um, feel free to laugh at the appropriate times. And, and, uh, and don't throw things at the inappropriate thing, times, okay? So, um, where's Abby? There she is. Because I was telling Abby, the last time I preached, Abby's the only person that laughed at any of my jokes. So, you know, Abby, you should really kind of be up front. Um, um, I also, I am, I don't know how many of you, I mean, you know, I know some of you, I've had an opportunity to preach here a few times. I'm the regional director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in the uh, Puget Sound area. Um, so all my illustrations are going to be sports related. If you don't like sports, my wife who does not like sports is down in the nursery this morning. <laughs> so you could go spend time with her. Um, but I also happen to coach high school football. Um, I coach defensive line over at Nathan Hale High School. Our head coach, Hoover Hopkins, is here this morning, and, and so appreciative of Hoover. Um, I'll tell some stories a little bit later on, probably about Hoover, and, uh, and then we'll have a time of prayer. Um, so. <laughs> but I really feel like God was saying, Dave, just, just throw a little gas on the fire that I got going at Epic Like. Just throw a little gas on this fire. 
So I'm, I'm going to throw a little gas on the fire, hopefully, this morning. My hope is then when you leave this morning, you are going to be prepared to march into hell with a water pistol if you need to, if that's where God directs you to go, because we are empowered by his spirit to go take turf. Amen? No, I mean, come on now. We're called to go take turf. This is what we're about. We're God's people. So we're going to look at his word this morning. Now, I have good news and I have bad news. We'll see how you respond to that. I'm tempted to respond in so many ways, but we're in church. Um, Good news, bad news. Don't you love those? I I told one of my staff members this week, I I had a joke prepared, the good news, bad news joke. And she said, Dave, that is really not appropriate to share in church. So I'm not going to share that. We have good news and we have bad news. Let's start with the bad news. If you've been watching the news, how many of you watch the news? Good for you if you don't, because you're probably, you know, okay. But if you've been paying attention to the news at all, does it seem like to you the world's going to hell in a handbasket? I mean, it is just crazy, the stuff that's going on there. You can't even make this stuff up. This week in our American government, it was like something from a bad made-for-TV movie, Right? I mean, we got presidents being impeached and then acquitted and then, and then people at State of the Union ripping up, you know, the speech and, and just, just wackadoodle stuff. And nobody talks together, they just yell at each other. You know, and they make these rude comments. That's not bad enough. But the truth of the matter is, let's be honest, we live in a community that in many ways it feels like we're working really, really, really hard to be disobedient to the things of God. And that's what this passage of Scripture tells us about, that by nature, by our very nature, our fallen nature, we are objects of God's wrath. Again, this is the bad news part. We, as humanity, are in a bad way. Left it to our own devices... This is not going to end well, right? What does the scripture say? For all have sinned and... That's right. We all come short of the glory of God. All of us. Oh, by the way, you are not that rare exception. All of humanity, from the beginning of time to end of time, is in this place of self-destruction. Now, what the scripture goes on to talk about here is it says that part of the problem is is the world has been warped by the enemy of God. Satan has kind of twisted and put this whole kind of fallen system into place. And you know what? We we embrace it as God or as humans, do we not? We we jump into it. Let's be honest. We like being self-centered. It's part of our sickness. You can use the word sin if you want. Sin is nothing more than that whole self-centered sickness. Let's be honest. It's all about us, is it not? It's all about me. Take care of number one. Do unto others before they do unto you. We teach this stuff, do we not? Guys, we teach our children in school how to be self-reliant. 
And relying on ourselves in our fallen nature is only going to lead us further away into a life of disobedience in relationship with God. And yet we teach that. Somebody say, come on, Dave, you're preaching now. Am I lying? Or is it true? We have an addiction to this self-centered sickness in this destructive pattern of the world. Um, do you have your Bible? Or do you have a phone? Because if you've got a phone, it works in here, because I, I use my phone every week in here. Sometimes for scripture, sometimes I'm, you know, looking at scores. You never do that, do you? No. No, you never do that. When Keith's on one of those 90-minute sermons, every once in a while you got to check the score, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to set some priorities in this world. If, if you had it in Ephesians, you're going to go back just a couple pages to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. It's the same writer, it's the Apostle Paul, says this in, in Galatians 5.19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a description of this fallen nature, of this sinful way of the world that, quite honestly, we are addicted to. Did you pay close attention to that? You see all those things on there? Does it sound like a week in Washington, D.C.? Discord and envy and strife and anger and all of this kind of stuff going on. Am I, am I covering it up? Sorry. My turtleneck is turning over. Abby's telling me, stop covering up the microphone. That's not a really good report, is it? And Paul says, not only is that our lot in life, that without God's grace, that's where all of us have been. Did you, did you get that part in, in that passage in Ephesians? All of us have been there. But as Pastor Keith reminds us, Paul's writing to the church. He's writing to God's people here. That used to be who we were. But then he goes on to talk about how great God's love is for us. God loves us so much. Look, at there it is. All of us used to live in that way. Do you see it? Is it, up, is it up here? Yeah. That's where we were. Subject to God's anger and his wrath because of our disobedience to him. But God loves us so much, he is so full of mercy that he extends to us his grace. Unmerited favor. You and I did nothing to receive God's mercy. That could be bad news if you're one of these self-righteous people. Oh, wait a minute. All right, here we go. Now, cover your toes, because now we're going to step on your toes just gently, just gently. 
Paul says, God offered us his grace and his mercy through Jesus Christ who brings us back alive so that none of us can boast. You ain't got nothing to brag about when it comes to your relationship with God that you did something to get there. God did all the heavy lifting. God did all the work. God's the one that brings us back to relationship with himself through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his glorious resurrection. Somebody say amen, because that's true. In fact, what I'm telling you is eternally true. If Jesus were here talking, he would do one of those verily, verily things. Like, pay attention, what I'm telling you is eternally true. We were caught in our self-centered sickness that is the kind of the way of the world, but God in his mercy sent Jesus Christ to restore us, to rescue us, and bring us back to right relationship with God the Father. By the way, that's the gospel. That's the good news. I read an article this week about a famous NFL quarterback. I won't mention his name. But he was being interviewed by his former stock car racing girlfriend. Is it okay if I come in here? Absolutely. Is it okay if I come in? Don't, don't ask mom. I'm asking it because it's kind of creepy. <laughs> and he said in this interview, of all things, you got, you got a race car driver interviewing a football player. So you know it's going to have deep spiritual insight into it. And they were talking about his belief in God. Because apparently this guy was raised in a very religious family. And he said, I can't believe in a God that's sending people to hell. We probably, we probably know people that think that way, right? Maybe we have thought that way ourselves. But the reality is, the reality, the truth of the scripture is, God's not sending everybody to hell. We're going there on our own. When Jesus showed up, remember John 3, 16? You know that passage of scripture? Hello. Thank you. Thank you. The mic, Abby, I'm not covering it up. Is it working? John 3, 16. There are parts when you are expected to respond. Remember that passage? All right, or have you ever been to a sporting event? Somebody's holding it up, right? John 3.16, we love that passage of Scripture, and it's a great passage of Scripture, but we forget what goes on with it right after that. Jesus said, hey, don't think I came into the world to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. I came to What? Save the world. I came to get you. I came to be your rescuer. That quarterback, as well intended as he is, is 100% wrong. God's not sending everybody, anybody to hell. God's trying to get people out of hell. God's trying to get people out of walking around like dead people and bringing us back to life. Remember the old movie... Um, with Sean Penn and Susan Sarandon, uh, Dead Man Walking. Remember that movie? Look at you young people are like, I don't even know who those people are. They're like a million years old. 
What's your name? What's your name right here in your white your white jacket? What's your name? What is it? Michelle. Michelle. Michelle's sitting there going, like, dude, your illustrations are so old. <laughs> Michelle, I'm old. So that's just, you know, that's just how it goes. So when I was a young man, this movie that was out. If you remember the movie a little bit, if you haven't, it's an interesting movie, but basically this, this guy is on death row. And particularly in the South, and this still takes place in certain places where they have the death penalty, that when people are on their way to be executed, the guard with them starts yelling, so everybody around them, dead man walking. Because the bottom line is, he's already been condemned, he's already been sentenced, he's just not been executed yet. He literally is a dead man, we just got to pull the trigger on this. Jesus said, by the way, that's how you once were. That's what Paul says, you, you were dead men walking, you were people that were condemned. But God in his mercy extended grace to allow you to be restored to relationship with God. Is that good news or what? No, I mean, that is good news. That is some good stuff. And none of us did anything to earn it. Have you ever noticed anywhere in Scripture, and I could be wrong, so feel free to yell out, Dave, you're wrong! Because... I've never heard that before, so. <laughs> but have you noticed anywhere in these, these passages, and particularly the, the, the places that Keith's been preaching, nowhere in the scripture does it say, hey, get your act together, bone up your religious behavior, and then maybe God will change his mind and will smile on you. Chuck is my new best friend. <laughs> no, I mean, we know that, right? Isn't that, isn't that so? Isn't that the great news? I mean, isn't that the good news of the gospel? We didn't have no... Guys, we have no pressure on us. It's not about our performance. God did this because he loves us. That's exactly what I got tattooed on my forearm here. I have the gospel tattooed on my forearm. Because you know what? I love when baristas say, what is that? And you get that 30 seconds to tell them about how much God loves them and how much God desires to rescue them and bring them to life. The name of the church is Epic Life Church based on John chapter 10, verse 10. I came that they may have life, life in abundance, epic life. That's what God is offering us. You and I were once people that were living under this condemnation. But because of God's great love and his mercy extended to us through his grace, we have been put to life. Come out of that place. But there's a reason. Here's the exciting part and the challenging part. But this is, we, we, oh, by the way, in case you didn't notice, we switched to the good news part. We're, not, we're now in the good news part. You know, you were dead, now you're alive. 
And this is, this is the good news. But God brought us back into relationship with himself. He brought us into this epic life, into this abundant life for a reason. And the reason is, is so that we will, empowered by his spirit, go out and do the good works that he had planned for us before we were created. That's the end of the passage of Scripture that we read this morning. In Ephesians 1, that's verse 10. How many of you have been here the last few weeks and been paying attention to what Keith's saying? Those are two separate questions. <laughs> right? Um, I, I think Keith's illustration, he's got a great illustration about being marked by the Holy Spirit. If you've been paying attention, he's been using that illustration about Toy Story. Right? I don't think this is working. Yeah, thank you. He's been using that illustration about Toy Story, about how the toys have a mark, have a name on the bottom of their foot. How many of you have seen Toy Story? That's not old. Okay. How many of you have seen Toy Story? You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Right? You know what's written on the bottom of their foot? Right? Andy is written down there that the toy belongs to Andy. Yes? Thank you. In a similar way, the Holy Spirit is that guarantee, is what Paul says of our salvation. He's like a, like a stamp marking us. Or the psalmist says in Psalm 40 that our ear had been pierced. Using the terminology of the day, our ear was pierced. And the fact that basically we have been pulled out of the muck and the mire, that's Psalm 40. By the way, those of you that listen to U2, they have that song, U2 40, which is based on Psalm 40, placed out of the muck and mire, placed on a rock, and our ear has been pierced. We have been marked. We have been made the slave of God. Brought to new life for what reason? To serve God. To be about his purposes, about his designs, about his good works that he prepared all of us to be a part of. Wait a minute. You have not been raised from the dead to sit on your keister and do nothing. Did he say that in church? I didn't write it. I'm just sharing it. Is that cool or what? The Holy Spirit marks us with his very presence, but then he also fills us, empowers us, so that we can go share this life-transforming gospel with other people in our community. How cool is that? We who were once condemned under the wrath of God are now agents of his mercy. Can you get your brain around that kind of thing? Now, some of you maybe can, because you're great people. But I got to tell you, I'm a despicable person. I'm not, that's not, no, ask my wife. It's not, that is not an exaggeration. I know me. I know the deep, dark truth of who I am. And I'm not a good person. I am not a good guy. I get that whole self-centered sickness thing. 
and even being rescued by Jesus, can I, can I be honest with you? I, I struggle still sometimes with that self-centered sickness. I, I'm not asking you to respond, but maybe a couple of you do too. But God is, God is so gracious to us that he empowers us by his spirit so that we are able to overcome. But then he, unbelievably, unexplicably, he wants to use us. But it makes sense when you think about it. Who better to take a message of good news than those who were lost and who were saved? Who makes for a better story? Who knows the story better? Let's be honest. Can we be candid with one another? Don't speak out loud. But we all kind of know how not so attractive we are or how we were before we experienced the grace of God. We know that. But don't you know what you've been rescued from? Don't you know how far God moved you? From one place to the next place? Man, you've got a story to share, amen? No, seriously, people! Do you not have a story to share? You have been transformed by the power of the living God. And you didn't even do anything to... In fact, some of us didn't even know there was a God. And he came hunting for us. That's how great God is. God's on a rescue mission, so then when we're rescued, we now are on the other side. We are empowered. Um... Um, last year, I had a chance to go uh, speak at the Arizona State University football team's chapel before they came up here and got uh, thrashed by the Huskies. Any of you know ASU? Any of you guys from down there? The Sun Devils? Um, a guy named, by the name of Herm Edwards is their coach. Herm's a former uh, NFL player, and then he was on ESPN for years, kind of as an analyst. And Herm and I are, are the same age. And he came out of retirement in his 60s to, or from leaving ESPN and leaving broadcasting to go back to coach college football. Why would you do something like that? So I, I did chapel service with the team, and, and then afterwards, Coach Edwards, great, great man of God. He really is. Um, and, and so Coach was gracious, and, and he and I spent about 15 minutes together just chatting. And I, I had to ask. I said, Coach, you and I are old. Why would you give up the good ESPN gig to come back and coach college football? And he said to me, he said, because we have a message that we need to tell. See, Coach Edwards went back to coach football. It had nothing to do with football. It had everything to do that he was once under condemnation but received the mercy of God who loves him and experienced his grace so that he could go do good works. And Coach Edwards realized, you know what? I got all these young men. All these young men that need to know God loves them too. And it has nothing to do with what they can do on the football field. It has everything to do with the fact that God loves them and extends his grace and mercy to them. Is that cool or what? 
That's so cool. So here's the punchline. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Epic Life Church? What are you going to do, good people of God? You have been redeemed not to sit in the stands. You've experienced God's love and his grace and his mercy and brought back to life through the work of Jesus, not so that you can sit on the sideline, clap your hands for the performers who are out there busting their tail every day to take the gospel. You, you were redeemed. You were rescued. You were restored so that you could do the good works that, guess what? God had planned for you. Before you ever existed. That's pretty cool, huh? Um, you're in a church, in case you didn't know this, that is committed to taking the gospel to this part of Seattle. Actually, even broader than just this part. But did you know that? Like, if you're just new here, <laughs> I, I'm going to break it to you gently. You're not here just to sit here on Sunday morning. Okay, here we go. You ready? I pastored for 36 years. I've been in lots of churches. Lots of people that love Jesus. Who have somehow embraced the doctrine of saved, sanctified, petrified. They love God's grace. They believe that the Holy Spirit has cleansed them, empowered them, and then they are waiting, they sit here waiting for God to come back. Guys, that's not the game plan. Did you know that God doesn't have any other plan to take his mercy and his grace into our culture than, than using you and I? That's God's great plan. Do you ever want to just say, what were you thinking? <laughs> really? This is, this is what you want to use? But truth be told, you and I are here today because other people responded to that same exact opportunity. That's why we're here. Right? right. So what are you going to do? I can't encourage you enough to hop on board what's going on here at Epic, to be a part of the, the ministry that's taking place. And, and you know as well as I do, or maybe you don't, so I'll inform you, this is not the bulk of what's taking place right here. Okay? This is cool, right? I mean, is this, do you enjoy coming to worship service? Yes. Yeah, it, it's good, it's fine, it's cool. You know, we get good preaching, we sing, and we do some things, and that's fine. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But I'm here to tell you, if that's all there is, you're not living the epic life that God has designed for you. That's, there's more to it than this. Right? And let's be honest. Some the, sometimes the preaching's not great. Like when you have a guest preacher come in, things like that. So if this is all there is, it's like, oh, and that was lousy. How do I know this? I can't tell you how many people I've met at the door over the years who told me, I didn't get much out of that today. And my snotty return would always have been, well, you didn't probably put much into it. 
Nobody's laughing now. I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? I'm preaching to God's people. You know this. You're a part of a church where this is happening. But guys, if you are sitting on the sideline, can I encourage you to get up and get engaged? And this may not be the easiest place. I mean, maybe this is not the best place for you to work. I mean, time and schedules and things like that. I get it. So let me tell you a couple stories, and then we're going to be done. And the reason we're going to be done is because my wife's in the nursery. She worked last night uh, overnight and said, Dave, can you wrap it up quick? <laughs> so we want to release the nursery workers. Can I encourage you, again, to be a part of what's going on here? But if this doesn't always work, I, I want to invite you to be a part of what God's doing. You could, you could come and join us at Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We'd love to have you be a part. Chuck's doing navigators. Chuck, you, you'll take some volunteers, wouldn't you? There are a whole bunch of other opportunities for you to be involved in this kingdom work. Um, I just wanted to tell you a couple stories in case you didn't know. God's up to something. God's up to something in our community. See, sometimes the only information we get, we kind of get about what God's doing is in these four walls. And we're thinking, oh, that's great, or, you know, whatever. But then we watch the news or we go out there and we see what's happening in the world. You just need to know that God is up to something in this community. Every day I'm on high school campuses. You know who I see on high school campuses? I see God and God's people. There are God's people all over. Wait a minute. Grab hold of your front of your chair. Bend over, grab hold of front of your chair. Seriously, because what I'm about to tell you, you're going to fall out of your chair if you're not prepared for this. I have seen God's people in Seattle public schools. No, I know, I know. Who knew? Who knew? I asked him if I could tell a story. My friend Hoover. Hoover and I have been together. Uh, it's going to be 13 years if we manage to survive another season together. I can't tell you how many good people there are like Hoover Hopkins who loves Jesus and goes to that place Day after day after day, assault and light and taking the transformed life of Jesus with him. And he extends it to those boys and girls in high school every single day. And guys, this is happening all over the place. It's all over the place. In our high schools. In our colleges. Did you know, this is, this is amazingly stunning. Did you know there are people that go to the University of Washington, and when they go, they are not followers of Jesus? Are you shocked by that? They're going to a state university. They don't know anything about Jesus. And within the last few weeks, I've had an opportunity to sit down with some of these students who share their story that because of different ministries on the campus of University of Washington, people are meeting Jesus Christ. They are being brought back to life. They are being transformed. Of all places, a state university. 
Because God didn't read anywhere in the syllabus that he couldn't show up. Are you, does that excite you? Or is this just kind of like, oh, yeah, one more. That's exciting. <laughs> hey, get on the team. Join the game. My same friend, Herb Edwards, that I told you about at Arizona State. How many, did any of you know who he is? Remember when he was coaching the Jets? Yeah, when he was coaching the Jets, and the Jets have stunk forever. How do I know? As a Bills fan, I'm glad we're in the same division because we get a couple wins every year. Okay? So the, the Jets have stunk forever, but when, when, when Coach Edwards was there, he was asked one time, hey, are you guys losing on purpose? So you can get a better draft pick next year, right? They call it tanking. Have you ever heard of that? And some of you might remember Coach Edwards' famous response. We play to win the game. I think sometimes we in the church need to remember we play to win the game. We're not here just coasting. We're not here just showing up. We're not here on the planet just sucking air waiting for Jesus to come back. He has empowered us on purpose to be in the game. And oh, by the way, in case you didn't know, God's winning. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Oh, by the way, if you've never done it, read the back of the book. If you read the back of the book, God wins. God's people win. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And God's plan will be fulfilled. And you and I are being redeemed. We are being empowered every single day so that we can go take that message to a world so that those folks can be a part of the winning team. Amen? So get in the game. Be a part of what Epic's doing. Or a part of some of these other ministries. Lives are being transformed. Um, I want to tell you one last story. I had to spend, a, I had an opportunity this week. I spent the week with three different uh, former professional athletes, uh, former quarterbacks, NFL quarterbacks. And two of them were running a clinic this weekend. And they, they called me up last week and they said, Dave, can FCA be at this clinic that we're doing um, 800 high school coaches from all around the Pacific Northwest? And I said, I guess if we have to. I did say that, because guess what? We were all booked. Myself and all the FCA staff, we were all booked. We had a whole bunch of things going, and so in order for us to be there, we had to rearrange a whole bunch of things. And as I said, you know, in my family, we had a death in the family, so you know, you've experienced some of those kind of things and how that discombobulates everything in your life. And so we're trying to there. So we had to rearrange some things, and we went down there. And I met with these two former NFL players who were running this clinic, and they said, the reason we wanted you to be here is we believe that we need to bring Christ to these coaches. How cool is that? So we had a chance to interact with between 800 and 900 area high school coaches. 
who got a chance to be exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ this week. While I was there, this is cool, and I, I thought of you, because you're headed to uh, the Olympics, right? Taking coffee to the Olympians. What a cool thing. Anybody want to go to the Olympics? It's going to cost you like, you know, 10 grand to go. But, you know, sacrifice for Jesus and have coffee. But I thought of you, I met the women's Olympic track coach this week. And she said, Dave, I've been leading Bible studies in Tokyo, getting ready for when the Olympic athletes come. Is that cool or what? Is that cool or what? Why do I share? I just wanted you to know that there's a whole bunch of what God is up to and what he's doing in the world and in our community as well. So can I just encourage you, get on board. Jump in. Our pastor would never probably say it the way that I'm going to say it to you, but I don't care because you don't pay me. Get off your duff and get in the game. If you are not, get involved. Following Jesus is not a spectator sport. Can I say that and we'll still be okay? We'll, you'll still, okay? And if I can say that and we're not okay, <laughs> that's your problem. Because again, I didn't write it. I'm just telling it to you. I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is there are a whole bunch of people who have yet to experience God's love, his mercy, and his grace. The good news is you have. And you have been empowered, not just marked by the Spirit of God, but empowered by the Spirit of God to go in love, and share the fact that God wants to rescue people who desperately need to be rescued. We get to be a part of that. What a great opportunity. Amen? Let's pray together.